folks, and welcome to the Sense and Theory podcast. I'm Sense. And I'm Theory. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Donald Trump, populism, and identity politics, and how it sounds really sweet. But uh, oftentimes the song is not as sweet as it might first appear. And that is uh, truer words, man. But before we get into that, uh, let's just take a second to acknowledge that we, the Sense and Theory podcast, is officially out there. We're on uh, iTunes. Uh, you can find us in uh, Podcast Addict. Stitcher. Or, yeah, Stitcher. Blueberry. Blueberry Podbean. Uh, everywhere where you go and get your podcast. SenseandTheoryPodcast.com. Our smiling faces should be there. That's right. um, so That's right. uh, we're pretty excited about that. We want to thank everybody for all the uh, you know feedback and support that we've gotten through the whole thing, even before we dropped, and then now. Keep it coming, um, guys. Yeah, really appreciate that. And I'd also like to mention that this is a monumentous episode because I believe this is the first time we ever teased something at the end of last episode, and it's actually what we're talking about today. So already, <laughs> look at how much more professional we've gotten. So we're going to start off by kind of talking about populism and, and what it is and how it really kind of took over this last election. Um, so the definition of populism is a political program or movement that champions the common person, usually by favorable contrast with an elite. And this is exactly what Bernie was saying, talking about the 1% spinning out of the Occupy movement. And and Trump kind of co-opted that platform too with the oh, drain absolutely. the swamp idea. You know, yeah. he was saying, they were both saying, the elites have an extraordinary amount of power in our politics, um, in our society. You know, let's band together as a group and and really stick it to them. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, uh, you know, I'm going to stand up for you. I'm going to, you know, protect you, protect our middle class uh, is often how Bernie approaches it. You know, uh, uh, Trump, well, and low-income families. And uh, Trump often, you know, he's talking about the working man and, you know, make America great again. He kind of harkens back to, you know, at traditional values and stuff. And we got to get back to that and take it from these blue blood liberal, you know. Dumb. Right. And, and this is a really so. easy message to sell when the wealth gap in the United States is at its widest it's ever Absolutely. been. I mean, it's easy to go us versus them. There's a lot of us. Well, <laughs> look at a lot of, uh, you know, Trump's surprise support came from the Rust Belt and, you know, with the loss of manufacturing jobs. Right. You know, he right. tapped into that. Um, the, the thing about populism is there is it gets a little murky, right? Because every candidate to some extent, uh, kind of wraps themselves in populism. You, you've got to have a base, um, and you've got to appeal to your base, right? right you you right. find a message that's going to apply to the most people and you, and you say it loud and, and loud and clear. So Absolutely. they get behind you. I think there's, there's a line though. And, and I think what you often find is the, the better leaders know how to, to ride that line. When I say better leaders, I mean like, you know, people who display leadership and, and, and you know, moving forward on a, on a I'm not making a, a values judgment there, but if you look at Reagan or Kennedy, they rode that line of populism. Like, hey, this is change. We're going to do this and stuff. But they didn't, they didn't quite cross the road over into, like, you know, say, it's them building a wall. We have to or... stop them, you know, stuff like building a wall or, or stuff like that. Or free college for all, for that matter. I mean, yeah. if you're looking, you know, Bernie, Bernie kind of did the same thing. And it looks like there's this pattern of in populism of boiling things down to their, like, simplest aspects ignoring all the complexities of them mm -hmm. you know not not really because because really the average person probably doesn't want to hear 
you know, a 12 hour, 180 page, 600 page plan right. for, for how this wall is getting built or how college will be paid for. Well, they just want to go like, oh yeah, I, I want free college right. and you're going to give it to me. Yeah. And, 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 you know, of course, how expedient is it to make something slick and marketable and, you know, just, Hey, free college. Hey, we're going to build a wall. Hey, you know, so the, the dangers, did- the dangers though, inherent in that are, are the complexities of the situation that mm-hmm. often come out, you know, towards the end of the process. Once you've, once you've handed the power over, now you got to have that conversation like, well, how are we going to get there? You know, how right, are we right. going to do this? And and the other thing too, though, is that you, you are, you're playing with fire, right? Because it's, it's like we were saying, as far as like riding that line, there's a difference between energizing a base, energizing a, a crowd of people, a movement and whipping an angry mob up into a frenzy. I, I would I would note that probably one of the most impactful and, and famous populist movements of all time would be the National Socialists of <laughs> 1920s and 1930s Germany, who absolutely, uh, you know, united, uh, whipped their base up into a frenzy, saying, hey, it's them, and they meant the Jews, who are holding us down and holding us back. And, you know, we, we're going to do all this stuff, this great stuff for the people. We're going to build roads and, and, and we're going to make all this, you know, make Germany great again. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then you get something like the Holocaust. Cause once you get that machine rolling and going down the hill, it's hard to pump brakes on it. Well, right. You have to keep appeasing the mob. Right. If, if you've, if you've tapped into that mob and you go against them, you lose your support. So, mm-hmm. If if that mob is uh, is enraged towards uh, you know a certain group of people, then it's like you said, it's hard to pump the brakes. It's hard to turn that truck around. And and it puts you it puts you behind the eight ball hard. I mean, it puts you under a tremendous amount of political pressure. Right. For instance, let's talk about the wall for a second. So here we got Donald Trump during the 2016 campaign, and he's going out everywhere and saying, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna build this giant wall. It's gonna be great. Believe me. And Mexico will pay for it. Mark my words. Uh, you know, so now I'm pretty sure I've heard the Mexican president on record at least three times going, uh, nah, son, we're, we're yeah, not paying I mean, for that wall. With what, how are you going to convince a sovereign nation to pay for a program in your country that is largely to benefit your country that they, they don't want? They, I mean, we're not talking about the Panama Canal here. We're not talking about something that everybody can use. Right. I mean, we're talking about a wall that we feel is necessary to keep, you know, to keep those awful Mexicans out, you know, I mean, is, is, is basically what he's saying. And then you expect them to pick up the tab for that. That's, that's ludicrous. So is he even, is he even trying to, I mean, I guess now he's using, uh, using DACA as, as leverage, right? He also said like in, in the beginning of his campaign, um, you know, all these dreamers need to go back. We're sending everyone back home. Forget mm-hmm. that. Forget that. And a week later, he turns around on that and says, "Well, you know, I'm a grandfather, and <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, they're they're really good people, and you know, some of them deserve to stay. And what 800? He, he wants he wants to make a deal for 800 thousand of them. Now it's a mil and a half or something. Yeah, like, that dude. That was the most fascinating thing that happened. Like immediately after the election, is I mean. Uh, how much did Trump talk about immigration, right? And, and and talk about Obama's illegal use of executive power for oh, dreamer God. amnesty and stuff. And I mean, yeah, it was like a week after he got elected that all of a sudden, well, you know, they're wonderful people. And and I agree. Don't get me wrong. I they they probably are <laughs> yeah. wonderful people. Yeah, I'm glad to hear yeah, him I'm, say I'm it. Glad honestly, that he's where he's at. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. But at the same time, like 
So obviously we're dealing with somebody who who wasn't. I mean, so why was he saying that? Well, right. If if he changed, I don't think he changed his mind in a week. Yeah, I think if you're a Trump supporter, you need to be looking at that real hard right now and asking yourself, like, why was he telling me that? Yeah. If if he's gonna if he's gonna flip flop in a week, absolutely. And I'm used to politicians flip flopping. You know what I'm saying? I think all to an extent, all politicians do that. But man, a that's week, a hard 180. A, a man. week after you <laughs> yeah. get elected, that's a hard. I I think I think what happens is if you if you follow these or if you if you want these oversimplified solutions you know these these easy fixes you very rapidly find yourself in a situation that you absolutely didn't want to be in and i think the wall and daca is a perfect example because here's where we're at now now trump has asked congress for 25 billion (laughs) dollars that's not mexico's money (laughs) that is not mexico's money to pay for the wall he's saying that he's going to put a mechanism, it's, it's very vague, in NAFTA that will cause Mexico to pay for the wall. But, you know, I mean, so far there hasn't, you know, been any. At any rate, he just asked our Congress for $25 billion of right. our money. Right. So so the situation you have and, and, and the leverage that he's using to get it is the DACA amnesty. Have you seen these, uh, these, these uh, preliminary builds of the wall? They've had like five construction companies. I come up with samples that are like have like slick tops so that hooks can't stick and like (laughs) no yeah no I have heard about the like anti James Bond measures that they're trying to incorporate. Uh, I I saw Lindsey Graham actually was was talking about the wall and he was saying, hey, you know it's 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 not going to be like a solid wall from like (laughs) from one ocean. I don't know if Trump knows that, but but Lindsey Graham apparently knows that. And if he's really if if Trump is trying to keep out. uh, gang members and and the drug cartels like these guys have been using tunnels across the border for how many years yeah, yeah. you think a wall's gonna stop are we well, going he's, he's 48 said, feet into he, the he ground said we're going super deep oh, we're, we're going gonna, yeah we're gonna use stuff like rebar is what he said yeah. <laughs> just drill through that shit bend it out i don't know absolutely it's crazy i mean they're using drones to send send yeah. drugs across the border what yeah. the, i mean they'll, what? they'll find a way we're in the age of technology what if if he was a smarter man, I would expect him to come up with something like a system of cameras hooked to an AI that detects human bodies and sends one of, you know, 48 helicopters stationed yeah. across the border. Like, no, I mean, that, we, we that def- would make sense. We I'm definitely not shouldn't it. be looking at like medieval architecture to get our, our <laughs> solutions for problems in 2018. Build a wall it's... and a moat and we're going to wake the dragon, guys, and, <laughs> and just set that dragon right on the that was border. A, there's actually, there's a, uh, there's a skit on the onion. Where they're talking about, uh, and should we fill it with like rabid beavers? Or, yes. or yeah, yeah, no, we should. Let's make it lava. No, let's make it dragon fire. Yeah, I mean, alligators and sharks with lasers. That's... <laughs> it's like an episode of the Squidbillies, man. <laughs> right. But but I want I want people to to stop and look at the situation that they're in now and where those those easy solutions got you, because if we frame this up now, you are in a situation where he's going to grant amnesty to the people you wanted out of the country in exchange for you paying for the wall that Mexico was supposed to pay for. Why? Because he got a big dose of political and real-world reality. Now, who knows if he actually thought that he could get that done. I, I saw something where... I don't think it mattered to him. Most, well, most of the, uh, most of the Republican candidates, like their campaigns said that they kind of laid off on the Mexico paying for the wall thing because it was just so silly they didn't think anybody took it seriously. <laughs> right. So, you know what I mean? But- when, in fact, his a lot of his base were so fed up with, with politics and politicians 
they they wanted to believe that kind of wild, crazy idea. This and, wild west, like we'll just bing, 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 bing. We're yeah. gonna make them pay for it. Well, <laughs> no, it's back to the allure of populism. It often has outside of the box ideas. Now, the thing about outside of the box ideas is sometimes there's a reason they're outside of the box. But but I, I get it. I get it because you know we've heard. Uh, you know, we're going to do this Dream Act, and then we're going to do this amnesty, and we're going to crack down on legal immigration, but then it didn't happen, and yeah, we're going to strengthen border security, and it, it never really, I mean, like, we spend, we throw money at it sometimes, but yeah. it never really gets, and this dude comes through, and he's like, hey, man, I'm going to build the Great Wall of damn China right there on the border, and it's all done. Yeah. It's all gone, you know? So it's really easy to fall into that trap, and that's the exact same thing that happened with Obamacare. That happened with Obamacare. Absolutely. And, and this is, you know, in, in the beginning in his, his campaign, he says, like, we're going to end, terminate, repeal Obamacare and replace it with something really, really great that works. Yeah. That works. And he underscores it to sell it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and where is it now? Here we are a year into a year into his presidency and uh, he eliminated the mandate, which, mm-hmm. you know, I I. I the mandate was the worst part of Obamacare to me, yeah. although uh, without it, how does it work? Yeah. You know, it doesn't doesn't make much sense. So so he's neutered it. Well, I don't I, I want to say I don't I don't think this is about I mean, I think people are very aware that I'm not a fan of Obamacare. But this isn't about whether you like or don't like Obamacare. This man told everybody that he was going to repeal and, and replace, replace. And there is no replacement. That's and they talked for months about a replacement being. We, Paul, Paul Ryan was supposed to have it. The Republicans have been waiting eight years to repeal Obamacare, right? <laughs> That's what the Tea Party was all about, right? Right. So eight years. And the only plan <laughs> that they, they brought forward last summer was Obamacare without the individual mandate. Now, I'm, I'm exaggerating a tad. There were some differences. I'm not saying there wasn't. But yeah, largely, they, they also large. eliminated the uh, the subsidies, right? For yeah. for uh, people who could get pre existing condition coverage, right? He's um, he's not promoting it at all. He's not. So Obamacare is is predicated off having as many people be a part of it as possible. That's right. To lower costs, and so what he's done is he's gone through and kicked the legs out from under it, and he's like, there, fixed. You yeah. know, got rid. He's he's running around talking I, about he repealed. The I don't mandate. think he thinks it's fixed. I think I think again, it's it's some populist bullshit. He's hoping that people see. Oh, I don't have to pay the mandate on my taxes this year. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Hoorah, hooray! Absolutely. And uh, and they support him now. You know, it's the same thing with the tax bill. You're going to get a thousand dollars in your pocket, and you're going to go hooray, hurrah, yeah. and not think about the long term implications of it. You know? Yeah. I mean? But it's still like what what he's actually done is doing i mean when you take away the subsidies the subsidies in particular that we're talking about are there are government subsidies to the insurance companies for uh low-income families and you know people with pre-existing conditions and it's to offset the fact that often they can't pay those those premiums and stuff so now that money's gone he took it yeah and without that the insurance companies are going to do what they always do and they're going to jack the <laughs> they fuck are out not, of their premiums they are not going to eat that cost no i promise you that so he he is directly hurting us. I mean, like, who who is that helping? His idea is, he says, you know, uh, we're going to let it die, and then the Democrats, you know, have to let us pass. What we, but you don't have you anything don't, to yeah, pass. You don't man. have anything to pass. You don't have anything. So I, I, I have no idea what it just, it looks like he got in completely over his head with Obamacare. Because, oh, you know he did. And, and, you know, you said, I, actually, let's go back for a second. You said, I don't think 
that he thinks that he could do it. No, I really think that he thought <laughs> he was just going to come in and he was going to be like, you know, we'll repeal the individual mandate and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to defund it and it'll fix itself. Congress, you have grossly overestimated Congress, my friend. I mean, let's not forget the Congress has like a 13% approval rating because right. Congress don't ever get shit done. So if you thought you were going to like just... Keep, they can't pass a budget. Light a spark under them. It's not going to happen, man. And Much he, less he the Health Care Act. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what people are thinking. Because if, if you're still a Trump supporter uh, by this time, a year after his, his, his presidency, I I just can't get behind you. It's It's like... You know, he, he's failed on, on everything he promised to do on all fronts. And, and you know, maybe I'm being a little harsh on him, but I'm really not. I was the same way with Obama. You know, Obama yeah. promised uh, Guantanamo Bay to be shut down and, you know, yada, this, yada, that, and didn't didn't follow through on any of his campaign promises either. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, we're kind of used to this at this point. And that's really the, the worst part to me is, um, gosh, the same thing would have happened if, if Bernie got elected. Yeah, you know, we we would have been in the same predicament, and he would have been trying to pass some pie in the sky college for all uh, mm-hmm. bill, and we'd have been sitting here, you know, same thing, same yeah. thing. It's it's they they hook you in, they they pander to you, they get you, you know, excited about these these you know like like we said broad sweeping ideas that they're gonna do, and they and they aim them. It's you know often you talk about advertisers, and you know here's a place where that absolutely happens, where you have somebody whittling it down and aiming it directly at you. And they say, hey, man, we're, we're going to save you $1,000 right. on your tax, $2,000 on your taxes. And, and you latch onto that, and, and it plays on people's hope. It does. You know and, I mean? and, and really, for most Americans, um, you know, some, some huge percent of Americans don't have $500 in a bank account for an emergency. Right. So, so a thousand dollars, that seems like a lot of money for a lot of people. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And I, who Nancy Pelosi, bless her heart, millionaire, uh, you know, got a, got a mansion and probably drives a $120,000 car. <laughs> Helicopter. Exactly. Um, you know, it's, it says it's crumbs and, and I kind of disagree with her. Like to me, a thousand bucks, it's a pile of crumbs. Yeah, yeah. But for people who've been eating those crumbs for many, many years, you know, it still feels good to have two piles of crumbs. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, absolutely. I, I don't, I don't hold it against anybody. I, I think there was actually a story, um, uh, this week on Twitter where Paul Ryan was holding up the fact that he spoke to a teacher who said, uh, she was excited that she was going to get a dollar 50, uh, a week extra on her check and she was like that'll pay uh for my costco membership wow so uh yeah in one sense i'm i'm glad that you're gonna be able to pay for your costco (laughs) membership on the on the other hand well the the worst part is like is is in the campaign he sold it as tax reform Right. As like we are going to overhaul the tax code and make it simpler and easier. Oh, um, uh, allegedly we were going to go from seven tax brackets to three tax brackets. Right. None of that happened. None of that. Happened. None of that happened. Instead, we got huge corporate tax breaks and some, and some blows. Uh, although the blows to uh, the 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 top tax brackets are nowhere near, as I understand it, they're nowhere near as big as the breaks they receive. Right. Right. Um, 
and maybe we're even targeted towards blue states if you listen to the the dims you yeah. know the mortgage the mortgage cap uh the mortgage deduction mortgage interest deduction i'm sorry mm-hmm. um that hit california real hard because how homes are worth you know five hundred thousand dollars at the, the bare minimum you right. can't write off your yeah your california, interest anymore california yeah. real estate and stuff man it is a grease fire yeah it's, it's, it's outrageous yeah, it's yeah. outrageous but but my point is that like you know Yet again, here we have another example of him just over overselling himself, right? You know, and making these huge pie in the sky promises and and delivering a tiny little bit and saying, "Oh, we won!" You know, yeah. this is a win for you, celebrate. And and at the same time, right? He's also got to hold that in competition with the fact that he told everybody that he was going to strengthen the military because <laughs> our military is woefully unprepared. So where are we at now? Tax he cuts for all. Tax cuts, which decrease the amount of revenue that comes in for our country. So we, we will now have less money. And he wants uh, huge rises in spending in all sorts of categories. He wants a $1.6 trillion infrastructure plan. He wants to raise defense spending to $716 billion in this. They raised the amount of defense spending last year in the spring, him and Congress, raise the amount of defense spending uh, on like a, a, what do you call it? It wasn't the budget. It was like a short hopper bill. Like the, the military came back and was like, hey, we need more money. And they were like authorized, you know. But the amount, which was, uh, I believe it was $47 billion, is the same amount that like Japan spends on defense. Wow. That's how much we just increased it, you know. So he wants to lay out all this money, but cut how much money we got coming in. In no sense of the word is that fiscal concern. Mexico's going to pay for that, too. See, that's the secret. That's what it is, man. <laughs> well, no, Japan is going to take up all our, our, our uh, what you call it, uh, uh, engagements and stuff that we have, all our promises that we, you know, it's, <laughs> man, he's lost his mind. I mean, you can't, you can't balance your checkbook that way, ever. I mean, think about it. Right. You know, I'm going to work less and take on more bills. Right. It's, you it's, know, <laughs> but Trump is the master of spending other people's money. He said it in uh, in the art of the deal, I think. He said, you know, why why spend my own money and risk my own money when I can spend someone else's? Like, that's his big piece of advice. Go get credit cards and, and you know, improve properties and, and put down payments on your credit cards and then flip the property. Like, now he's doing that with our money, you fucking suckers. Like, yeah. <laughs> you have handed a huckster the White House. This is the guy who, who, whose Trump University took advantage, took cold, flat-out advantage of, of the middle class. Like, like straight up, sold $35,000 real estate seminar packages hmm. to people with $100,000. Uh, told them, like, just... I'll go read it. Go go read it, folks. It's it's in the show notes. Uh, the playbook is disgusting. Like he just he preys on the psychology of people. He tells the salesman how to how to build them up, and and he he is the snake oil salesman. He is from literally the, old the snake oil TV salesman. That, and you know, and in the in the deposition uh, or whatever, he says, you know, they they ask him, so you know, is there anything in these seminars that's you know say not in your book? He says, no, no, everything's in the book. It's yeah. it's all in the book. So a $35 hardback book yeah. would cover all of the information that he's supposedly selling at this $35,000 seminar. And it's the gold elites, you know, the gold elite package. So, yeah. you know, he, he works on your... It's uh, the best university. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, go go read the, the playbook, guys, because it gives you an idea of of who this man is. And, and, in, and in the campaign, 
he was talking about being for the middle class and the everyman. Yeah. I'm sorry, dude. Like, if you've spent your life being a huckster to the middle class and spending other people's money to do it, now we've given you the keys to the castle. Absolutely. Like, you're, you're, it's inevitable that you're going to spend our money to fleece us. I think, I think one, I think you touched on one of the most egregious things that happened to people uh, through this election is, and I actually mentioned earlier with the people in the Rust Belt states, the people who think that he's going to bring their jobs back or bring jobs back to their community. It's, it's actually, it's, it's like, it's not even funny. It's, it's a tragedy. And, and, and the way that he intends to do this is through tariffs. (laughs) You, you ignorant wretch. Like you, I mean, we're talking about a, a policy that largely we've, we've abandoned as, as a world. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that we don't still institute tariffs here and, sure. there and slap people on the wrist, but you know, tariffs used to be the central uh, tariffs used to be the central way that we got taxes before the income taxes. But what's the problem with tariffs? Tariffs lead to trade wars. That's right. And you know, I mean, we can you talk punch all day. Me, I punch you. Yeah, we can talk all day about like you know free trade and stuff like that. But but what he's proposing is very much so global thermonuclear war from the end of the movie War Games. You know, the one that the computer just kept running the scenario, <laughs> yeah. and he couldn't... I mean, if if you hit China with these tariffs, China's going to hit you with tariffs, and additionally, China's going to go to the World Trade Organization, and you're going to lose. And the reason is, because you've been running around for a year, basically saying, well, if we got to start a trade war with China, we got to start a trade war with China. Right. Nobody wants a trade war, yo. Yeah, it doesn't so, help anyone. It yeah, doesn't help it doesn't, us. It doesn't help them. It, it, one thing, we all lose. The idea that our jobs are in China, right, is, is laughable. All right, he's running around like uh, he was telling um, uh, uh, people in North Carolina who, you know, North Carolina used to uh, huge textile mills and stuff, you know, all over the place. And they've shut down and they've left. And at some point they went to China, right? But here's the thing. China's economy has grown and the wages they pay their workers has advanced to the part. I'm sorry, to the point where those jobs aren't in China right. anymore. They've left China They're and gone Vietnam to Bangladesh. And and bank- yeah, exactly, yeah. man. So like this, so that's a perfect example of populism. It's the Chinese. The Chinese are beating us. We've got to unite, beat the Chinese and stuff. And this and, is like leftover from, from, you know, 40 years ago. Yeah. And people are still, I mean, <laughs> still repeating the same nonsense. Like, so, so he wants a tariff on, on steel. And that's, that's his big thing. He wants to put a tariff on Do we on produce steel. a large amount of the steel in the world? It's uh, mean- at, at one point we absolutely did at this point. Uh, we have a sizable steel industry. Um, however, we produce a lot of steel, but the people that we employ in, in steel is, I think it's less than 200,000 people and beans. Open yeah. will take me to task on that. <laughs> yeah. One. But, um, uh, anyway, he, we do produce enough for uh, our own defense. You know, we produce enough. We're, we're not. But, but do we rely? I guess reliant. my question is more: Do we rely on on steel from other places? Uh, we do in a sense. Here's the thing: China is dumping steel. China's been dumping at, steel for at, a long co- time. at or at below cost. cost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and it gluts the market and it messes it up. So we have same thing they did it, with solar panels, which is what he's just introduced these right, these tariffs absolutely. on. And, uh, and so industry has cropped up that takes advantage of those prices. Absolutely. Do we absolutely depend on it? No, we could do our own steel, but yeah. not at these prices. So yes, it would be, you know, a contraction of industry. And stuff. Right. But here's the thing. He's been pushing this steel tariff for, uh, what is this? Three years now. Okay. 
We've already tried it. It's not hypothetical. <laughs> it's not theoretical. It's in 2002, George W. Bush put a tariff on steel. Two things happened. One, the WTO slapped us because we put a tariff on steel. Two, uh, we lost about 200,000 jobs in manufacturing because of the higher price of steel. Wow, because people couldn't afford to, to buy the raw materials? And, right, I mean, right. So those businesses couldn't buy the, you know, the price went up. They were so no they longer profitable. Jobs. And 200,000 people is more than the entire amount of employees in the steel industry. Wow. So, I mean, you're, hell, in that case, you're actually taking jobs for even more people. Like his this this tariff thing, this trade war thing, uh, the, the shit he's talking about with coal, those jobs aren't coming back. Right, they're not. And and people, I, I know it sucks. I know it's terrible. But at well, some I have point, to say there may be there may be some short term wins that sell it to his base though. Like yeah. you look at the uh, the washing machine tariff, for mm-hmm. example, that came alongside this uh, this solar panel tariff that just got instituted. You got Whirlpool saying, "Well, we were going to put a plant in Mexico." Uh, or four plants in Mexico, and now we're coming to the states. So, right. so that's going to be used as uh, as a win to his base. You know, look at mm-hmm. how many jobs we brought. You know, well, and then look at the conversation that's happening with solar panels. Because yeah, the people who pushed him for this tariff on solar panels were the the solar technology companies, solar panel companies, right? They were like, hey, we need this tariff. Uh, you know, we're getting killed, and da 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 da. However, everybody who comes next in the supply chain, everybody who sells things that's involving right. these sales is like, oh, my God, what are you doing? The if, only reason people are buying this stuff is because of the price, man. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? And really, like, if I wish, I wish in my heart of hearts that we could all buy lower than cost solar panels from China to put on our roofs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Know, what about that doesn't make sense? So to me, it's almost like it's a it's a double whammy for his base because he also gets to go. Uh, well, I'm, I'm for coal, you yeah, know, we're, yeah. we're keeping the coal jobs. Now yeah. we're, 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 we're fighting against solar and you know, the whole anti-global warming thing and, yeah. and burning coal is not bad. Coal is good. Uh, it's just like handing a big, handing a big package with a nice red bow on it to coal. So, yeah. so, you know, why not? Why not? And, and, and his base is going to eat it up. Let's be honest. Yeah. They're yeah. going to, they're going to eat it up even though, uh, you know, maybe they had a chance to have solar panels on the roof and sell power back to the grid. Yeah. Yeah. No, at that point, at that point, like they can't even get out of their way and I, their own way. And I, and I understand again, like I said, you know, like you opened up with, there are people who are experiencing very real problems and troubles and, and stuff like that, but we've got to be able to not, uh, not follow, uh, Peter Piper. You right. know what I mean? Like, like we got to be able, or the Pied Piper, that's what I was looking for. Ha! Take that, Beans. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, we got to be able to still, you know, look at the situation calmly and, and not let people woo us with any old pie in the sky, I promise. Right. You know? And, and on top of that, he, and it's not just him, it's actually, like you said earlier, Bernie, in, in my opinion, in a sense, they, they destroy their own movements. Like that's that's what a populist ultimately does when this happens. What do you mean by that? Well, I, look at so the entire time uh, Trump was can actually this predates Trump campaigning. Trump for years talked shit on Twitter about the amount of executive orders <laughs> that Obama was was issuing. Okay, now now executive orders at at least at one point was a very central issue to the Tea Party. Right. 
And and you have to kind of see Trump as like a, an outgrowth of the Tea Party, right? And and I'll even say uh, the executive orders have been a concern of mine for years. Yeah, I'm still I cannot get behind almost any executive. Yeah, except in case of emergency, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. Like, use Congress, use the systems we have set up. Yeah. Uh, to create law and to make things happen, and if they're not functioning, let's fix them. Mm-hmm. You know, let's find a way to make make Congress function if, if Congress isn't functioning. But don't just sign an order that's going to be turned around in, in four years. Absolutely. As soon as the next guy comes in the door. Like, that's why we have this 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 DACA situation now. Well, and, I, and, and, and going back to fundamentals, like, we're not a nation that operates under decrees. There you go. I mean, just that's not how this works. You ain't a king, homie. Patna, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no. So, I, I feel bad because... Trump has become the person who is tied up, you know, is he was tied up in that executive orders are bad. You know, I mean, we're going to we're going to do away with executive orders and stuff. He got to office and issued in the first year, he issued double the amount of executive orders. 58 executive yeah, orders. Yeah, 58 to year. Obama's 26 in his first year. Uh, so I so I, I mean so now that that diminishes the message for everyone who's been yelling about executive orders. I mean people who you know you got to look at it and say well if these guys keep getting the office and then they issue a bunch of executive orders there there must be something that we can't you know figure out something that they see that we don't <laughs> and da, 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 you know I mean it just it, in every way so now that that steam that energy that your movement had with occupy uh, uh, the Tea Party and so forth and so on, it gets robbed when you put somebody in there and tie them to it that closely. You know, and and that, that's another one of those things that has me just scratching my head about the people who still support him. You look at all the stuff we've talked about so far, and then you look at the draining the swamp thing. Right. This guy campaigned on draining the swamp. Yeah. And put the biggest swamp monsters, right. uh, Mnuchin, and uh, and Rex Tillerson, Steve and- Steve Mnuchin, is is the '80s villain uh, from like from you know the movies where like there's like there's an action hero and there's a bad guy, but then there's like the seedy businessman that's behind him with his hair slicked back and his glasses. Yeah, I got a cigar. That's who Steve Mnuchin is, man. Yeah, like that picture of him smiling, holding the. Holding the dollar bills, you know, everyone's yeah. got his signature on them. Yeah, and then, and then his wife's over there in, like, you know, chiffon gloves and stuff. You know, she's in, like, a formal ball gown. Oh, my God, man. man. And, and here's the thing. Before before the election, I, I looked at it, and I and I looked at Trump, and, and there was a tiny piece of me that said, well, maybe a billionaire is what we need to beat this. Hmm. And because there's something about the idea of, of being incorruptible. You right. know, if you have enough... Um, someone can't just wave 40,000 and our politicians are getting bought off for 10,000, 15,000, $20,000. Like it doesn't take much. So, so, you know, there was this part of me that wanted to think like, maybe this guy can go in there and, and drain the swamp. And then you see the people who he's appointing and, and there was a tiny bit of me that went along with like Rex Tillerson. Cause I'm like, well, maybe he understands the, the ins and outs, you know? I mean, if you think about it, who, who, it's got to be somebody at that level. I mean, you can't just appoint anybody as right. Secretary of State. So it's either going to be somebody who is in state or it's going to be somebody who has worked at that level. And you start talking about CEOs of major corporations. That's right. And, and there are also, you know, policy advisors and stuff like that. But if you're draining the swamp, getting outside of Washington and, and you know, your new take, you're out of the box thinking, then you know, maybe. 
Right. Yeah. I was I was right there with you. And and you know I had the same thing with with Betsy DeVos. Although when I learned that Betsy DeVos's brother was Eric Prince of of Blackwater, right. <laughs> that right. that kind of threw me for a loop. I'm like, yeah. wait a second, we have now official ties in the top of the U.S. government yeah. well, to the I mean, largest. Actually, DeVos couldn't be more like you know interwoven with with various lobbyists and stuff like that. I know? can't even imagine the largest mercenary group on the planet, you know, most well-funded mercenary group on the planet is now like is, it now has family sitting squarely inside the White House. It's just kind of scary, man. That's all yeah. I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. You know, when he Swamp Monsters all of When them. he gave his original uh like drain the swamp speech, like when that when he first like tossed that out there, he had all sorts of proposals that sounded awesome. I read them on his website, and yeah. I actually sent them to my mom. I was like, "Mom, look at this plan." Yeah, yeah. talking about like like banning lobbyists after five years of working. Uh, if well, if you're in the if you're in his administration, you weren't going to be able to lobby for five for years five years after you leave. Yeah, and right. you would never for life be able to lobby on behalf of a foreign government. Brilliant. Uh, you know, stuff like uh, these are these are great ideas. In fact, he also pushed hard. Uh, I, I think he did at one you point for uh, uh, term limits, right? For for Congress, like he at least threw that out there. Maybe it wasn't in the the during the swamp speech. None of it. I mean, we're year in, and none of it. Yeah, he silence. he did an executive order that uh, you know, like you said, can be undone anytime. Next person can come in, undo it day one. Uh, that uh, the administration officials can't lobby for five years. But then he, he even watered that down to say they can't lobby the agency they were at. Oh, wow. So, so which is not what he promised. Wow, man. Absolutely not what he promised. And uh, he did sign one to ban people from lobbying foreign governments. But the, the way it's written, there's no indication of how to enforce it. No, I mean, it's not a law. Yeah, it's, it's an executive order. It's just a memo at yeah, that point. Yeah, it's, it's basically just a, like, <laughs> you guys can't do this. It's uh it's it's a, a rule by decree, you know. But I, I think the real shame, man, is is these people they, they didn't they didn't vote for this. I mean, whether or not I personally agree with what they did vote for is besides the point. You know, like for instance, uh I, I think Bernie was absolutely gonna run into a brick wall in the yeah. form of the real world. If he would have got elected as well, <laughs> you know, he'd been scrambling and, trying to give free college to every every. And that's you know, it's kind of the problem with this these populist movements. It's like I said, they they neuter and they hijack the movement, and and before you know it, you're you're wrapped up in things that you didn't necessarily want. Like I would say, how many Trump supporters do you think uh, would chomp at the bit or jump at the chance to be a part of identity politics? <laughs> you know how many of them out there right now in this climate with the the snowflake liberals and everything? Well, they're probably. I mean, they're the same ones. You know, blaming the the left for identity politics, right? You know, and decrying it. But there's no there's no honest way to look at Trump and not see that as identity politics. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, about I it. mean, it's it's absolutely identity. In fact, there's a there's a really good article, and yeah, the the link will definitely be down in the. Uh, in the description, but there's a great article from, I think it was the uh, Washington post. Yeah. And, uh, uh, this woman, she drew parallels between Bolshevism and Donald Trump. And I mean, so, so what did the Bolsheviks do? What did Lenin do? Right. When they did the Russian revolution, uh, they came out and they said, Hey, it's, it's us, the people, the proletariat, the workers versus the bourgeois, the elites, 
you know, when we take over, everything's going to be great. Everybody's going to be working, you know, for each other, the brotherhood, and, and there's going to be peace and land and bread, you know, real easy solutions that, you know, <laughs> just blah, we're just going to come out with bread, you know. And, and what ended up happening, you know, before long, you've got Stalin and the gulags. Like, like when you get whipped up into that frenzy, when you, that, that crowd gets, gets all high strung, it's very easy to lead them down that path, you know? Right. And, and you start to lose, like, the sense of, of reality. And, and so as much as we had the media episode, right? So I, I can't, you know, there is truth to fake news. However... To say that he has not excessively criticized fake news to the point where, you know, there are people who just, fl- I mean, there was a dude oh, that tried you, to yeah. shoot up CNN That's right. a couple you, weeks you ago. Flat out, once you, once you whip your, your base into that frenzy, they will flat out deny anything you tell them to deny. Right. Over and over and over, you know, you, they accept it as the, as the whole truth and nothing but the truth. You lose the opportunity to present uh, critical voices or, or, or opinions even. It's just, it's that, that crowd fervor. There was a, uh, a quote from the article we mentioned earlier, the WAPO article about uh, the parallels between Trump and, and Bolshevism that I thought was uh, really enlightening. Uh, it says, as the, as the philosopher Roger Scruton has observed, Bolshevism eventually became so cocooned in layers of dishonesty that it lost touch with reality. Quote, facts no longer made contact, contact with the theory, which had risen above the facts on clouds of nonsense, rather like a theological system. The point was not to believe the theory, but to repeat it ritualistically and in such a way that both belief and doubt became irrelevant. In this way, the concept of truth disappeared from the intellectual landscape and was replaced by that of power. And that's exactly what we've seen go on with mm-hmm. Trump in the first year. Absolutely. And, and, and when you, when reality warps like that, like when, it, when everything changes and, and now you have this, this angry mob... You know, you can go to some pretty dark places, as we've already discussed, like with, you know, with the National Socialists in Germany, the Nazis. Um, And especially when you have a a cult of personality like you do with Trump. And then on top of that, I mean, I got to tell you, for the first time, you know, there's been a lot of, of false accusations and stuff over the last year, you know, about Trump and everything. But but man, his comments regarding immigration and the shitholes countries i that sounds like a racist to me man that, Is that, that's, that's the that's the first hint of, of real racism i mean you've, that, you've that you know i like i said the mexican uh the judge from mexico uh yeah, well that, i mean that yeah, was borderline yeah. to me although i if if trump has been painted as anti-mexican mm-hmm. you know i could see a non-racist point of view being that maybe he's biased against me because I am against Mexico and he is Mexican. You see what I'm saying? It's not that I don't like Mexicans or I don't think a Mexican should be, but, but I saw that more as like pointing out the bias. Would you, would you, would he point that out with a white judge though? So like, well, you see what I'm saying? Judges, (laughs) judges are supposed to be above that. They are. are. Right. So, so to go at it on that basis, do you honestly envision yourself hearing Trump say that uh, John Roberts shouldn't rule on affirmative action because John Roberts is a white <laughs> or, guy? Or Jeff Sessions shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, should recuse himself. Should recuse because, himself. Yeah, right, okay. Right. Uh, no, okay. I, you know, I can see that. But but I think when we're, when we're crying racist, um, 
it's just one of those things that gets overused and and you it shut does. and you shut people down really quick with it and I'm and I'm kind of tired of it. I mean, we need to call out racism when it exists. You well, know what that's I'm we 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 must. Right. And 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 maybe this is the time, you know what I'm saying? When you yeah. hold up Haiti which is 95% black uh, and you say we don't want people from Haiti but we want people from Norway. You know, yeah. there's an argument to be made there that's a, that's a black and, black well, which, and white thing. Which is an important point, I think, especially with what we just talked about. The the, the whole idea that it's about the shitholes, uh, you know, the shithole country comments. Like, I understand. So the shithole country comment, to me, is is sort of like the judge, okay? The reason that I didn't, you know, immediately turn around and say Trump's a racist uh, when, the, when the judge thing happened is because I'm not sure if it was a conscious decision you know what i'm saying in my opinion saying you know the the judge he he may have very well trump may have been making to himself the same argument that you just laid out right the shithole country thing i i don't think there's any debate that haiti's in a terrible state like i don't think there's any debate that you know syria is in a rough place right now you know so so calling them a shithole country like somehow the whole conversation got got wrapped wrapped up in that when really the problem is is for Trump to sit there and say that he wants merit-based immigration and then turn around and say, we don't need Haitians, we need Norwegians. I, I, if As you if Haitian me, doctors are less, yeah, are less skilled you than You give Norwegian me a doctors, reading of that that isn't racist. Yeah, I, mean, okay. I mean, it is. I mean, it's... It's, it's countryist. It's nationist. Uh, no, and, not necessarily. Because what, what, is, what is the unifying feature of the country of Haiti that he doesn't want? Right. So, it, no, it's not It's it's not because they all pledge to the same flag or sing the same anthem, man. You know what I mean? I, I don't think that's what he thinks it is. You know? Yeah, so. and holding up, <laughs> holding up Sweden or Norway and, as and, the, and then as the directly opposite. opposing it with Norway. Which is exactly. 95% white. Right, right. So, I mean, so, so the man is racist. And now... Here you are, you've, you've, for all Trump voter, for all your good intentions, you know, and I, I'm talking to the people who aren't, you know, members of the KKK, the, the, the you know, the, the alt-right, and, and not necessarily all the alt-right, but you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. I, I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to the people who, the, the people in the Rust Belt who just wanted their jobs back. You've tied yourself to a racist, man. The people who voted for Obama that flipped to Trump in this election, which was a sizable amount of people. You, you've tied yourself to a racist, man. And and you didn't get anything that you asked for. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> or, or if you did, you got it with some heavy strings attached. You know, it's funny to, to circle back to, to Bernie for a minute and uh, kind of, you know, show his, his populist angle. Bernie was actually very uh, anti-immigration, too. But the funny thing is the way Bernie was anti-immigration doesn't get him painted as a racist. So, like, I had a conversation with my brother, and I was like, well, how do you talk about— um, you know, illegal immigrants and 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 not and not be painted as a, as a racist by the left and right. and then the answer comes to me in in Bernie. I mean, he he felt like uh, immigrants were being taken advantage of by corporations, and you know we were losing our jobs to them because they were willing to work for cheaper. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are ways to be uh, anti-immigrant. Yeah. Uh, and not and not be a flat out racist. Yeah, uh, he does not meet the criteria. <laughs> yeah, absolutely no. And, and if you, uh, it is it is funny to think about, um, especially with the conversation going on now with like sanctuary cities and, and DACA and stuff. How would the left have felt? 
I mean, you've got Bernie over here who straight up said, you know, uh, open borders, uh, you know, that's that's the Cokes. The Cokes want open borders. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? <laughs> that's and, a Coke and, and proposal. Open, and open borders is a big jump. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not. But, but the point is, is that I think some of the very firm positions that Bernie has on immigration are the same things that, you know, to some extent that Trump's doing now that, that's, right. that's being opposed. So would those people have ended up with the same buyer's remorse because they were swept along with the whole, you know, free universities like like we discussed and, and uh, you know, Medicaid for all now is, is uh, what he's calling his health care plan. And so I think that the, that problem, right, so so we've talked about, we've banged on Trump today <laughs> and, and we've talked about populism and stuff. And so what does it mean in the end, right? To me, the problem is, is that we treat politicians – like heroes and villains. Yeah, it's like a comic and, book and, character. And, and that's how you get swept along, right? The, 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 the problem of a populist movement, you know, Ralph Nader had a populist movement back in the 60s for, for safety standards with automobiles and, and, you know, that consumer protections and stuff. But it's when you wrap it in that, that cult of personality, like, you know, I just said or, with Trump or, right. or somebody well, like that. And the problem is when you start looking at, at a person and 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 fuck it man people are calling trump god emperor on the internet yeah, so yeah, like it's it's beyond hero worship i mean it's 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 god worship at that point and the problem when that happens is we lose the ability as a group to be objective and like and mm -hmm. like and ask questions now it's just us versus them and you go well they said it so it's wrong mm -hmm. you know it doesn't matter if if it's wrong or or, you know, if you disagree with it, it's just this this wave that you either ride or you get the fuck out. Yeah. You get the fuck well, out of the and, way. And not only that, but now you're you're so emotionally invested. You know, there's there's this big debate, I guess, that's like raging on Twitter and other places about like what aboutism. Um, you know, I've heard Shapiro speak on it and other other people. And, you know, what aboutism it's it's basically, you know, somebody says, Well, Trump did this and a Trump supporter's like, But Hillary What about Hillary? You know what yeah. I mean? And so here, here's the thing about like what aboutism it, it has its uses right because it is sure. true. well yeah I, I find the the phrase well what about when it comes up in natural conversations with me anyway is usually to point out someone's hypocrisy so if right. they if they hold a position normally and now they're describing uh, something that they support that may be against that position and mm -hmm. you point out well what about you know this other area where you know, these are kind of parallel, but you take a different stance. So, so to me, it's a great tool for pointing out someone's hypocrisy. Absolutely. Um, and, and oftentimes you'll find someone come back against that argument and having none for it. They say, yeah. oh, well, you're just engaging in whataboutism. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that's a, that's a logical fallacy. Too, too, too quoque, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, get out of here, man. So. Well, what's interesting is, so that's a way, that's a way to just shut down a conversation, right? And, and unfortunately, the, the very useful tool of whataboutism, in a sense, that's what it's become. Because there are people out there who use well, it as and, and, I'm not going to look yeah. at my other my side. Donald Trump because, is the is the master of whataboutism, and exactly. his followers do it all the time. You know yeah. that, and and really to me, it's a mirror back on them. So you know, well, what about Hillary? Well, if she was wrong, then your guy's wrong too. You know, yeah, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't Absolutely. flip flop. You know, make but it right now. You, I, that is, we are so as the populist sentiment has increased and you know we've we've talked about it since uh, even obama really i mean that yeah that's a populist movement you know and and think about the disillusionment that a lot of people felt 
after Obama got to office and then couldn't all that, that hope and that change. And we're still doing all these drone strikes and, you know, again, executive orders, yep. uh, whatever Obamacare is, Spying you know, on uh, millions of Americans. Some, pe- some and- people feel like Obamacare didn't go far enough. Some people didn't want it at all, but you know, all that disillusionment is because you, you really thought that one guy was, was going to bring hope yeah, he and was Luke Skywalker for the, you. Yeah, he was this. But this, life's not a movie, guys. Yeah, exactly, like, that's, man. That's not the way it works. And 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 really, there's another part of this that of this social movement going on that that really kind of scares me. And that's that when we find something wrong with someone who represents us, we have this reaction to just just ax them, just mm-hmm. just get rid of them. And in some cases, that's valid. You know, yeah. sometimes you do something that's so egregious, you say, okay, you, you you're not you're not becoming of a senator, you know, right, I mean, get, right. get the fuck out. But if we start, if we start moving our point of view where it's okay to just ask someone um, for a mistake, that puts us in a really dangerous position because well, we all make a lot of mistakes all the time. No one's perfect. You well, know? look at, look at the case with, uh, with the Wes Goodman guy who, you know, recently uh, Wes Goodman, uh, he, uh, big, uh, supporter of DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act. You know, he campaigns on his Christian values and, and family values and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I got a quote from him here. The ideals of a loving father and mother, a committed natural marriage, and a caring community are well worth pursuing and protecting. Yeah, well, uh, Old Wes has very recently been caught. Uh, he, I guess he was having uh, sex with a man in his office. Yes, in his office. And, and some other prominent uh, turns DC out folks came out and said, like, he's all over Craigslist. This yeah. is no secret. Like, yeah. so, so Wes has resigned, right? But here, here's the thing. Like, so this happens all the time. This happens all the time. In fact, uh, um, well, like I said, Anthony Weiner. Yeah, you know? yeah. so, so it happens right and left all the time, sex scandals. What, what does it matter? Like, why? I, I get, I understand that, like, okay, if you're somebody who um, supports those values, you know, the, the, the Christian values, the family values and all that stuff, I get, I get why you're upset. Everybody else, like, what the hell? Like, yeah. like what are you upset? Are you upset that he's gay? Are you upset that he's so it's it's his hypocrisy or right? or he's cheating on his wife like yeah. the hypocrisy to me there's that, that is one hypocrisy gets me in a place gets me so fired up I just I can't stand it. it's the one thing like you know I'll forgive you if you if you punch me even we can fight it out mm-hmm. but dude if you're a hypocrite man like I'm not trying to be in the same room with you okay. so I, I, I get I get what you're saying, and you can and you can personally dislike that. I don't I don't have any disagreement there. But what I'm saying is, what are the policy implications exactly of his hypocrisy? Right. That's right. Okay. Because he he supports. I don't know that he's changed his position and thinks that he should be allowed to get married as a gay man. As far as I know, he still would. Can support. you imagine being that guy? Oh man, <laughs> what his is, life's? Uh, is he just a Donald Trump, or like he's saying that to his base to get <laughs> get supported? I'll, like, what? I mean, I don't, in a sense, hopefully, you know, maybe Who is maybe that he's. Guy? You are so out of line with your own values, like your own internal values. Yeah, that right. you'll have sex with men, and right. then on the other side, support. You know the 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 marriage between saying man that, and that you're not worthy of getting married while yeah, holding yeah. up a marriage with with kids like I don't 
Guys, if y'all are out, if there are people like you out there, just come on out already. It's okay. <laughs> we'll accept you on this side. Like, like, come to the voice of reason. It's okay to be who you are, man. It's, it really is. Yeah, I, I can't imagine the hell that old Wes is going through. But I think the point that I'm trying to get across is, is that while his hypocrisy is distasteful, it's a distasteful personality trait, right? And so that's what we have to one of the things that we have to learn is to divest ourselves from any of those kind of considerations at all. Really to me, I mean, a politician only matters in so much as how they serve you, right? A politician's job is to help you protect your life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So for instance, if, uh, if Barney Frank is a complete asshole, well, then Barney Frank's a complete asshole, but what policy does he push for? That's right. Do you see what I'm saying? So when you look at somebody and they're, they're doing something, the, the politician, if they do a good thing, celebrate it. If they do a bad thing, base them for it. You know, Donald Trump has done a lot of bad shit. Today, we basted him for it. In episode four, Donald Trump brought up some considerations about fake news. And we applauded him for yeah. it in the place where it was. That's what you have to be able to do. I don't like Trump. I don't ever want to be in the same room as Trump. Bernie, I think I do like. I think I could sit down and, and drink and maybe oh, share. We could some, have a beer with Bernie, dude. I, I, could, I could share pudding <laughs> cups with Bernie all night and, and have a grand old time. But there are things that Bernie wants to do that I don't agree with. Right. See, that's the thing. is like uh, Eisenhower. I don't like Ike. Hillary Clinton, I'm not with her. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, you got to get away from that. You're not a Democrat. You're not a Republican. You're a citizen mm -hmm. who's trying to self-guard your interests. That's right. And that's it. Like, get out of this game of, of popularity contests. And, and the only way to do that is is by digging deep. Like, we can't just abide by this surface-level messaging. Or, right. or we're just led like sheep. Like, you can't do it. You've got to look in. You've got to read bills. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. Or, or or you're nothing, or you're just a sheep. You're being led by a carrot. Like, read the bills, uh, ask questions, write letters to the paper, get yeah. responses. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, like seek, explore, learn, yeah. grow. I'm, <laughs> That's I'm, what we're here for. I'm gonna say this to you, and and I think this is as true. This is this is kind of the dichotomy that we presented through the whole the whole thing. But this is as true of border walls as it is of funding for education. Right? The answer is. Well, well, he wants to do it, so it's going to get done. And, and you know, at least that's something. He's in there driving for that. He cares about what I care about and shit. I don't care that he cares about what you or I care about. I care about how he intends to get the things that I care about done. Yeah, don't care so much about the what as the how. If, if, if Trump, you know, it's like, it's like we said with DACA. Does Trump really believe in DACA amnesty? I don't give a shit because it looks like he's about to get it. Right. And that's what matters. You know what I mean? <laughs> so At the cost of So you do I'm not saying twenty six billion dollars. I do have to pay twenty five billion dollars for a wall. <laughs> but I'm not saying that you don't have to look at the totality of a person. You do, but you you've gotta get out of this. He's gotta be someone likable. He's gotta be somebody I can relate to who cares about the same things I do. Because that right. that Sometimes is no an way to asshole measure makes that the shit. best leader, man. Absolutely. I mean really. That no that actually sometimes an asshole makes the best leader. That is an excellent point for us to close this episode of the Sense and Theory podcast. However, before we go, before we go, I'm sure everyone is waiting with bated breath to hear what Beanzo has to say. Beanzo? 
Oh, yeah. You smell that? That's the sweet fragrance of factual inaccuracies. That's right, folks. After two episodes of letting these two chuckleheads get away with shooting from the hip and subjective nonsense, your old buddy Bean the Dream is back on the scene and ready to set the record straight. Theory, you said this is the first episode where the topic actually matched what you guys teased at the end of the last one. You're apparently in for quite a surprise when you hear the end of Guns Part 1. And since, if you think dropping state and local tax deductions does not disproportionately affect the states with the highest taxes, <coughs> blue states, <coughs> um, sorry, well all I can say buddy is that's a hard sell. Theory, you referred to the Honorable Judge Gonzalo Curiel as that Mexican judge. I'm sure you meant to say that U.S. District Judge of Mexican descent, in the same way Trump meant to say, we need Haitian doctors, not Norwegian criminals. And finally, Theory, I guess you were referring to Brandon Grisomer as the guy who was trying to shoot up CNN, while Grisomer did threaten the CNN headquarters in Georgia 22 times over the course of two days. He never made it out of his parents' basement in Michigan, and his dad said, we don't own guns, and neither does he. You know, Theory, maybe I was wrong about you. Sure, you take the food off my table with your little Pied Piper corrections, but then you drop a triple threat of terrible like today. That's music to a man's ears when he gets paid by the mistake. Fellas, back to you. Uh, paid by the mistake? Uh, shit. Man, I, I, I don't think Beanzo realizes we're not getting paid for any of this. Wait, what? Oh, shit. What do you mean I'm hey, not getting paid? No, I mean, Well, folks, no, uh, cool. thanks for listening yes, to no, the Sense and Theory no, podcast no, no, on no, Trump and no, identity we'll politics and populism. Uh, we'll see you next time. week when we're going to talk and about uh, t- t- Taylor Swift. The first of the month. No. I, I swear get to out. It, it's going to be in the mail. Get out. It's going to be in the mail. Get the fuck out. Hey folks, I'm Sense, one half of the Sense of Theory podcast. I'd like to take a second to thank you for listening. Uh, it's your time and attention that makes this show worthwhile. Uh, we do the show for you and our listeners. Um, I'd ask you to leave a review, good or bad, on iTunes. Uh, come check us out on the various social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find the links uh, in the description to the show. And uh, if you want to reach out with a comment, uh, joke, uh, funny anecdote, uh, you want to call me an idiot, uh, Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, thanks again, folks, and we'll see you next week.